Pastor Xavier Reese on being ready in season and out. Now you may be sitting here this morning and say, well, you know, you guys really are too extreme and, you know, you guys are always gloom and doom. No, 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 I offer you the greatest hope, the return of Jesus Christ. But you're headed over a waterfall. Now right now you're in the White Rapids, you're having fun because you don't know there's a waterfall ahead. You just don't know where and when you're going to come upon it. But you will. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Cleaner burning fuel, environmental-friendly pesticides, better relations between the nations. Well, no matter how hard man tries, this world is not getting any better. Today, from his study in the book of Isaiah, Pastor Xavier uncovers what Scripture reveals about what lies ahead for this hurting and dying world. Here he is with today's lesson. Isaiah chapter 34, verse 1 through 4. The message is entitled, The Judgment of the World. The thought that this world will one day be completely done away with and a new one brought in is almost like science fiction, isn't it? Hard to believe. And yet the Bible is very clear, very detailed to every little specific. Isaiah has been warning Judah about their rebelliousness against God and their dependency upon Egypt, as you know. Back in chapter 28, the prophet Isaiah spoke of the people of his day. And in the form of a little apocalypse there, as often he has shown us looking near and far, he looked long-term-wise to the great tribulation, and we get much detail there, as the kingdom age would be brought in and the Messiah would reign. Now, once again, we see this in Isaiah, as we've seen it throughout his book. For our study, we want to look at Isaiah's call to the world regarding the judgment of the world in the great tribulation and the grand finale, the new heaven and the new earth. He gives us this in these four verses. But he gives us the fence post, but he doesn't fill in what the fence is made of between the posts. And so prophecy is like buying one of those puzzles. You first have to put the rim around it, the border, and then the, the more you fit, the more the pictures you get, the easier it is to fit the pieces in. And so we need to be good students of the Scripture. Now, what I want to do is something a little different from my usual way of approaching my text. Simply using Isaiah's text right here of these four verses for my main points. And then what I want to do is fill the details in the New Testament that will take us through a run through the tribulation, the millennial kingdom, into the new heaven and new earth. So you can see it as a whole. Because often people get confused and say, well, how does this fit in and all that? And we'll just run it together. So he gives us the fence post. I'm going to fill in. I'm going to build the fence as we go along. Let me um, read our text here, verse 1 through 4. Uh, Come near you nations to hear, and heed you people. Let the earth hear and all that is in it the world and all things that come forth from it. For the indignation of the Lord is against all nations and the fury against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to a slaughter. Also, their slain shall be thrown out. Their stains shall rise 
uh, from their corpse, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. All the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall not roll, shall roll up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fail shall fall down, and the leaf falls from the vine, and as fruit falling from the fig tree. Very picturesque. Isaiah has a lot of poetry. In fact, the first 35 chapters, there are much of his poetry, and then it starts in prose in the historical interlude of chapter 36 to 39. But, but the prophets paint pictures, uh, very clear pictures. Now, Isaiah's text regarding the judgment of the nations of the world and the new heaven and the new earth here reveal three things to us. First in verse 1, the nations of the world are called to hear God's judgment. They may not like it, they may not believe it, but they're called to hear it. Secondly, in verse 2 and 3, the nations of the world are under God's indignation. They're under God's indignation. And then thirdly, in verse 4, the nations of the world are temporary to God's final redemption. Man thinks he's going to live forever, right? He builds monuments. He puts names on them. But he's very temporal. Let's begin here with the first verse. The nations of the world are called to hear God's judgment. This is our main point. Now, we want to fill this in. How do we see this in Scripture? First of all, the nations of the world will be judged for their deception and partnership with the false Messiah, the Antichrist. This is very, very clear. In fact, 1 John 4, 3 says the spirit of Antichrist has always been here and will ultimately be in the person of Antichrist. So his spirit, his very uh, a movement has been from the beginning. In fact, Daniel 9, 27 tells us that he will appear at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation and Israel will make a one-week covenant seven years with him and they will embrace him. This begins the 70th week of Daniel. The 69 weeks of prophecy have been fulfilled. We've gone on in detail. We don't have time this morning. But this will begin God's prophetic clock once again as he deals with Israel. Now, this man of sin in Revelation chapter 6, he will appear on a white horse, symbolic of peace, with a bow, no arrows. He conquers through diplomacy. He will be embraced by the world. And as you look to our world and all that's being set up, uh, the world's looking for a man. In fact, Jesus said they would receive him in John 5, 43. You reject me, you're going to receive him. That's interesting. Now, Daniel tells us some interesting things that kind of correlate with Revelation. Uh, he tells us that he will be an intellectual genius, a horn with eyes, speaking of understanding in dark sentences, sinister schemes in Daniel 7, 20 and 8, 23. I mean, he's going to be a giant in terms of intellect. He will be an orator, a speaker. Great things and pompous words will he speak, Daniel 7, 20 tells us. He will be a political wizard coming peaceably, and he will seize the kingdom through intrigue, Daniel eleven twenty one. He will be a commercial giant controlling all the losses as well as bringing great profit, Daniel 8, 25, 11, 43. John will tell us that later on in Revelation 13, 17. He will be a military genius, destroying the mighty. They will say, who is able to make war against him? Daniel 8, 24 and Revelation 13, 4. He will be a governmental head 
that leads a ten-nation confederacy, what we know today, the common market in Europe. They will give their allegiance to him, Daniel 7, 7, and then John will tell us in Revelation 13, 1 and 2, and chapter 17, 17 also. He will be a religious monument all in himself. He will declare himself to be God and demand worship. Jesus made this very clear in Matthew 24, 15, when he, see, when he said, When you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, flee to the wilderness. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, that he will be directly from Satan. He will enter the temple, declare himself God. John tells us much the same in Revelation 13, 3, 14, and 15. Now, Secondly, the nations of the world will be deceived through the agent of the Antichrist, known as the false prophet, who will perform deceptive miracles. Now, the book of Revelation, chapter 13, verse 11 through 18, gives us this information. Just as Jesus had a forerunner, John the Baptist, the Antichrist has a forerunner, a PR man, the false prophet. He is the second beast coming out of the earth with two horns like a lamb, but speaks as a lion in that chapter. He's identified as the first beast and imitates the appearance of a lamb, falsehood as the Antichrist imitates Christ. So the whole movement is deceptive. He is equal in authority as the first beast and promotes the worship of the Antichrist who, by the way, survives an assassination attempt. And his right eye is withered, and his right arm is withered also. His right arm darkened, right arm withered, and he lifts. He, in fact, performs miracles causing fire to come down from heaven. Now, usually this is said to be of the Antichrist by people. But if you study the scriptures there in that chapter, verse 13, it's the false prophet that does this. He's a PR man. He deceives the earth dwellers by certain signs, as he is able to coerce people to make an image of the beast. It seems almost science fiction, as I said, but it will happen. He will be granted power to give life to the image and to kill whoever does not worship his image. Verse 15 of that chapter tells us. The institutes of the mark to be taken may seem like wise at first for commercial purposes, but... They are a mark of association and ownership of Satan. Verse 16 through 18 tells us there. Once you receive the mark, you cannot be redeemed. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not born again, and if the rapture happens tonight, don't take the mark because you will damn your soul. There's no chance of redemption for you. It's very clear in Scripture. Now, not only is there the false Messiah, not only is there the agents of false prophet, but the nations of the world will be deceived by the religious channel, the false church, who will be one with the Antichrist. And Revelation 17 gives us a picture of her completely. The false church is identified as the harlot, the great mother of harlots in the opening verses. Babylon being a counterfeit to the true church, marking spiritual unfaithfulness. A woman is always used 
as a type of religion in Scripture. Matthew 13, 33, one instance where a woman came by nine, the kingdom parables, and sowed tares among the wheat. Jezebel in Revelation 2.20 is portrayed as the religious system that's false, counter to Christ. The false church is one with the beasts in the ten-nation confederacy. Very evident in that chapter, for she sits on the beast who rules the ten nations. She is wealthy, brash, and the source of all spiritual fornication and abomination on the earth, called the mother of harlots. She is equally responsible for the death of the saints and the martyrs of Jesus Christ, past, present, and future. She's been around for a long time. You might look her up on the Bible for the first time in Genesis 11, Tower of Babel. The false church, the beast, and the ten-nation confederacy are interpreted and identified clearly as being of one mind to make war with the Lamb in verse 7 through 14 of, Gen of Revelation 17. She is the instrument by which the Antichrist rises to world prominence in the ten-nation confederacy. She sits on the mountain of seven hills, verse 9 tells us. Now Rome sits on seven hills of Rome. Pretty hard to move her. The false church will be destroyed by the Antichrist, by the way, in the middle of the seven years, for he cannot stand competition and also accomplishes the fulfillment of God's will and purposes. This is part of God's prophecy. This is when he will officiate against Christ personally. The abomination of desolation will take place as Jesus declared, as Daniel declared. Daniel 12, 11 and Matthew 24, 15. So the false messiah, the false prophet, the false church. This kind of gives us the feeling of verse 1 of Isaiah's text here. This is the judgment that's coming. Now, you remember in Scripture the Gibeonites in Joshua 9? They were coming into the land, and God says, I'm going to give you all the land. Don't make covenants with anybody, this and that. And then all of a sudden, they took Jericho, and then Ai, you know, there was that Achan little thing, and Achan got stoned, and uh, not with weed, but with stones, killed for taking that. And then they moved on, and then these guys, Gibeonites, came by, and, and they said, hey, listen. And then they brought moldy bread and, and old worn out shoes and tattered clothes. And they say, we've been coming from a long journey. Man, we're, but we've heard about you and your God and we want you to make a covenant with us. And it says they did not inquire of the Lord and they made a covenant. Then a couple of days later, they found that they were neighbors. Anytime you and I do not check the word of God to authenticate the truth of it and to check it out, we'll be deceived. You see, this is the only thing that's true. And so we have to be careful we don't become like Joshua and think that we can discern truth apart from God's truth of the revelation that he has given to us. So important. The amount of open deception that goes on in our everyday lives here in this nation as well as the world is staggering. Setting up people for the Antichrist. Spiritual deception being one of the most obvious. It's one of the chief marks of the last days. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says. Spirit of demons. Deception. The religious movement of ecumenicalism wants everyone to just get along. 
to be one under the guise of love without making any distinction for sound doctrinal differences. It's one of the chief marks of the last days, 2 Timothy 4.3. They will not endure sound doctrine but have itchy ears. The Vatican has made it perfectly clear that Rome, the Roman church is a rallying point for all religions. In fact, of late, it's even declared to embrace Islam. What an eye-opener. The movement should not shock us because this is what the Bible has told us from the beginning. God gave her time to repent as a church, sending many, including Martin Luther, but she did not. And so in the message to the church of Thyatira in Revelation 2.21, he gives her up because she refused to repent. When there is no repentance, only judgment can come. The judgment is not the fault of God. The judgment is the fault of the individual who rejects the grace and the ability to repent. The social and political deception that is going on today under the guise of self-love and absorption is really a foreshadow of the Antichrist, even as it's a chief mark of the last days in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Lovers of self, hating, proud, boasters, no natural affection. So the measure of our mind for man and for society is money. No morality, no ethics. The climate of our day is tolerance, acceptance, abstaining from any form of critical judgment regarding right or wrong. Otherwise, you're a bigot. You're too narrow-minded. You're intolerant. I'm always amazed how the philosophy of being tolerant is so pushed in our society, but yet when we make a judgment, they cannot be tolerant towards us. You see, you remove all the black and whites as boundaries and you make them all gray. And this way, no one's offended. The American society, as well as the rest of the world, is being conditioned as a non-thinking people. Quacking ducks, following the Pied Piper. Remember, sheep follow the shepherd. Rats follow the Pied Piper. You want to know which you are? It's real easy. How long is your tail? <laughs> Sheep have short tails. Rats have long tails. Make sure a sheep, not a rat. The nations of the world are called to hear God's judgment. Do they believe it? No. Do they care about it? No. You see, they think they're going to live forever. I notice, secondly, the nations of the world are under God's Indignation. The key phrase in our text of Isaiah is indignation, the indignation of the Lord. There in verse 2. It describes the period of doom, darkness, indignation, wrath, destruction. And it's repeated throughout the prophets. Joel is known as a prophet of the day of the Lord. Amos told the northern kingdom, why are you guys getting all excited about the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is darkness, doom, destruction. You guys are bad news. God's coming. What do you think? You guys don't understand the day. In fact, Isaiah, throughout his book, 
repeatedly uses the metaphor for that period of time as that which comes upon a woman as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Now, every one of you ladies who has had a baby knows exactly how that's going to be. It comes sudden, then it's a pain every so often, and then it becomes more repeated within time and intensifies. This is where the world is headed. The pains are more severe and they're closer together. They're intensifying towards that day of judgment. You see it through Isaiah 13, Isaiah 26, Isaiah 28, many different portions. And he uses that metaphor of the pregnant woman. Now, first of all, the indignation of God first comes by a series of seven seals in Revelation chapter 6. The manner of the day catches them unaware because they do not believe God's word. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and say, well, you know, you guys really are too extreme and you know, you guys are always gloom and doom. No, no, no. I offer you the greatest hope, the return of Jesus Christ. But you're headed over a waterfall. Now, right now, you're in the White Rapids. You're having fun. Because you don't know there's a waterfall ahead. I'm telling you, there's a waterfall ahead. You just don't know where and when you're going to come upon it. But you will. The first seal introduces the Antichrist of false peace. The second seal introduces the red horse, which is war. It's given him to take peace from the earth. The third seal introduces the black horse famine. In fact, one quarter of wheat is given for a day's wages. But the olive and the wine is not touched, meaning the luxury, the riches. In other words, the rich will be able to hold off for a while and survive. Only for a while. The fourth seal introduces the pale horse, death. One-fourth of the population, which is about one billion and a half right now. One billion and a half dead in one sweep. By the way, the authority is given by God to do this. He's in control. The fifth seal introduces the saints slain for the word of God. And... There are many more to be killed, God tells those who speak under the fifth seal. How long, O oh Lord? A little more. Kick back. More to be killed. The sixth seal introduces the great earthquake. The sun, the moon, the stars, and the heavens are affected, and God's wrath is poured out. And they cry out to the mountains to fall upon them. But do they repent? Listen, no. People say, well, you know, if people would just repent. No, people do not repent at the wrath of the Lamb. Jesus said that these were only the beginning of sorrows in Matthew 24, 21. How often you and I have known people that are just doing their thing and, we, and they reach it, something happens, we say, well, you know what, maybe this is going to turn them around. I think this is going to do it. And to your amazement, it makes them worse. They don't turn around. You still scratch your head, you say, Why? You don't repent. They've examined black boxes from airplane crashes. You think everybody would be calling on God. Most of them are damning God. Not calling on God. The seventh seal introduces the seventh trumpet judgment. They're being silenced in heaven for a half an hour. And the censor of fire is cast into the earth. In chapter 8. 
So awesome is the judgment that nobody says anything. You remember Joel's friends that came to see him, to comfort him? When they arrived, they saw him. They didn't say nothing for three days or so. They just sat there. Have you ever seen something so awesome that you just, you just get taken back? You don't say nothing. That's how bad it's going to be. Pastor Xavier Reese and the incredible judgment that's coming to pass. There's much more to come next time we're together. You can always pick up a copy of this message in its complete unedited form. And in this case, just ask for the judgment of the world. It's available on CD, as always, for only $4. And once again, the title to request is The Judgment of the World, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please tell us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us monitor this outreach in your area. Is there ever going to be any hope, any peace? That's our topic on the next edition of Simple Truths with our teacher, Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 